hope you enjoy the fact that you can open your Bible and you can see what we study for yourself. You don't believe me, you believe the book. So open your Bible with joy tonight that you have the Word of God. Hebrews, I'm sorry, Hebrews, I'm seeing Hebrews on my page here, but Second Peter chapter 3, I'm going to talk about what we talk about. <laughs> but I want to focus on a little angle on this. It's a Christian's holy conversation. So, find in your place there in 2 Peter chapter 3. I want you to look and um, uh, we'll just read down 1 to 11 and then we'll get to preaching. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And for this, they were willingly, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water, in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. That's a good thing. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things, here's our key verse, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Let's pray. Father, teach us about uh, our conversation. Teach us, remind us, everything we do and everything that is accomplished is going to disappear. What we are lasts forever. I pray, God, we would have a holy conversation. I pray that from the top of our head to the tip of our toes, our conversation would be right. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, when he says conversation there in verse 11, I kind of played with you. He says, I want to talk about what we talk about. But that's not what he's talking about. Is that fun? So when we say conversation, we usually only think about what we say. Now, that's part of it. But when we talk about our conversation, we're talking about when Paul, sorry, when Peter says our conversation, he's talking about our way of life. Notice what he says there in verse 11 again. He says, what manner of persons ought you to be? Now, the manner of persons, your way of life, the way we live, the way that we talk, our lifestyle. Isn't it funny how on the television, isn't it funny how in the newspaper, how every form of media pushes alternate lifestyles? Filthy lifestyles. New lifestyles. You know what's funny? We have a lifestyle we're supposed to live. Amen? It's a holy 
conversation, a holy lifestyle. So, these are, uh, uh, when we talk about the things uh, that we, when we speak of our conversation, it's the way we talk, the way we act, the way we react, what we think about, what we hate, what we love. It's our total life. So he says, what type of life should you be living? Now, everything's about to change, folks. I don't know if you realize, but there in chapter 3, he talks about something called the last days. Amen. Guess when, guess when we is? In the last days, folks. Whether you believe it or not, uh, this, this time frame that we find ourselves in, we are, we are seeing everything that is predicted in the Bible come to pass so rapidly, it is just overwhelming. You've got mockers here. Verse 3 says, There shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. They're addicted to their own lusts. They, they follow after their lusts. They mock, they reject the promise of Christ's return. They willingly are ignorant. I like how Paul, sorry, I keep saying Paul, how Peter says willingly ignorant. That means stupid on purpose. They willfully are rejecting the truth. And they forget that the world already one day was destroyed back, wasn't it, by water. When was that? During the flood. So they willingly are ignorant. They ignore the fact that the world has already been judged once before. Well, that just predicts the fact that it's going to be judged again. This time, not by water. Jesus, God, made a promise with a rainbow. He would never judge the world worldwide with a flood, but he didn't promise about a fire, did he? That is yet to happen. So, uh, don't be like the unsaved. In verse 8, it says this, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. Who wants to try and define slack for me? What's slack? Lazy? Slow? Negligent? That's getting closer. Doing nothing? Good? I found, as I pondered this thing, I found great... Uh, I, got, I found great um, uh, enjoyment out of this word. You ready? He's not unprofessional. God's not just sitting there going, well, I don't know, uh, is it time yet? No, not yet. You know, he's not, he knows what he's doing. He's not slack. He's not lazy. He's not just twiddling his thumbs. He is not slack concerning his promise. Look what it says. Some men count slackness, but he is thankfully long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the only reason why anybody's still here today is because God's waiting on you. And you may be going through a hard time, and you say, Lord, get me out of here. And the Lord says, not yet, not yet. And you say, why are you so slow? Because I'm waiting on so-and-so to get saved. Thank God. Thank God. So don't be like the unsaved, thinking that the Lord doesn't know what he's doing. If he is there, where's his promise? The day of the Lord will come. Verse 10, right there. But the day of the Lord will come without warning, like a thief in the night. Uh, the heavens and the universe. The Bible says, I like how he says there, uh, in the which the heavens will pass away, circle the words, a great noise. You know what that is in the Greek? Anybody know what great noise is in the Greek? You ready? Big bang. <laughs> Ain't that funny? All the evolutionists says there was a big bang. They don't realize there is going to be a big bang. Amen? The heavens will pass away with a 
big bang, a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and all the works that are therein shall be burnt up. So, Peter asks this question. He says, since everything's going to be gone, what kind of a person should we all be? Hmm. Well, let's... I got to thinking about conversation. Conversation is a very powerful Bible word, and I looked up all the times that the Bible uses the word conversation, and I put them in order, and I looked at a pattern here, and the first of all, God talks about our past conversations. Hmm. Our past conversation. Go to Galatians now. I'm going to ask you guys to read Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13. I'll ask, starting with Selene. Galatians 1.13, please. <clears throat> Thirteen. Did you notice the word? You've heard of my conversation in times past. Now, what's the best part of that verse? It's in his past. That is breathtaking. It is no good having a lifestyle that you continue to live after you got saved. There needs to be some things put in the past. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, Marianne. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, right? Go to the right a few pages. Find Ephesians chapter 2 and verse All right, the only good thing about that verse is the past. Amen. All right, so every Christian has a past conversation, has a past lifestyle. At least they ought to. If you are if you don't have a past lifestyle that's different than your present, then you got to ask yourself, like James, do you have any proof that you're saved? Has there been any sign that God stepped in there? Now, there ought to be things that were you, but are not now you now. First Corinthians six, uh, Paul. First Corinthians chapter six and verses nine through eleven. Okay, there are two great words in there, were and are. So there there has to be an understanding, thank God, that there's part of our life that ought to be and should be in the past. The Bible goes on and actually calls it the old man. You're in, go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Brother Dennis, would you read 
Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Ephesians four seventeen to twenty four. There's a lot there, but you saw Paul saying, put off the old conversation that the old man is tied to. You just put it off and you put on the new man. You're constantly doing that. You're putting it off. You're disassociating yourself. You're separating, putting some distance between you and your past constantly. Another one, 1 Peter 1.18. Myra, 1 Peter 1.18. Not only the old man, but... The vain man. I know women are the only ones that are vain. This is a little bit different. First Peter one eighteen. <clears throat> Okay, now ours reads, from your vain conversation received from the, from the tradition of your fathers. So this, this vain life that was lived for self, the old man, <clears throat> those things ought to be the old you, not the now you. Um, so in, in what I want to say is, every Christian has a past conversation. There ought to be other things that are in your past, and you need to keep them in your past. What does the devil try to do? He tries to bring you back down and bring you back to the past. Is that not what Jesus said and warned Peter about? Satan hath desired to have you again. He wants you back. And he still wants us, folks. So every, listen to this, every failure now 
You can't, you can't live outside of failure. Don't even imagine that you don't ever have falls, failures, mess ups, sins in your life. Don't ever that. But every time there is a failure, move it to the past and put as much distance between you and that failure. Do not live in your failure. What is the worst thing for a Christian to do is to live in the past. Put off the old man is what we're told. Amen. Keep that, that old conversation in the history books, not in the present. <clears throat> so past conversations. Let's go to the second one. The world's conversation. Second Peter chapter two. See, Tony. Second Peter chapter two and verse six, seven, and eight. This is our culture that we live in. And it's amazing how our culture is coming around full cycle and coming around just like it was back in this day. Second Peter two, six, seven, and eight, please. All right, so you notice that he says, now God destroyed the cities of of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God delivered and protected Lot, but Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. What we're dealing with is... uh, uh, this this lifestyle that that Lot lived amidst of, he saw and he heard everything the Sodomites were doing. Can you imagine living next door to some Sodomites who publicly lived their lifestyle? Can you imagine that? And yet, that's what Lot did. Can you imagine trying to raise your children where Sodomites march down the street and they flaunt and they publicly... Uh, applaud and praise their lifestyle. That's where Lot lived. And it, and it's happening today. Exactly. Lot was vexed. Doesn't this world do that to us? Don't you just look at that television and go, no, no, no. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, folks, we cannot change the world. But we can stand out from it. What it means when we talk about standing out from the world, now I, I believe we can turn the world upside down, but but folks, let me tell you, it's getting it's getting to where you better start making some plans to get out of here. Because this world is following a cycle that comes about where hearts are so hard, not even God's going to be able to get through. Did you ever hear of a guy named Pharaoh? There was no way to break Pharaoh. And I think we're getting to that place today. Uh, we can, now we're called to... Uh, to stand out from the world, to no longer follow the world, to actually keep ourselves unspotted from it. I need Dina, James one twenty seven. You're in First Peter. Go Second Peter. Go back to the left. Find James chapter one and verse twenty seven. <clears throat> So the world is filthy. And it's culture. It's just, that's how they naturally are. Hey, you want to go live with some pigs? Pigs are naturally filthy compared to us, okay? 
Now, if you live with pigs, guess what you're going to smell like? A pig. Good. So our job, I can't come out of the world, not to the rapture, uh, but I can keep myself unspotted from the world. That's my responsibility. The world's conversations, the world's lifestyles are the way they are. How is yours? Other people have certain ways that they live. How is yours? You may find fault. You may have people who hurt you, that affect you. How is your lifestyle? Keep it unspotted from the world. Do not follow the devil's trap of following along with the world and with the flesh and with the devil. Accept the fact that this world is always going to vex you and grieve you. You say, I, I, I must not be very spiritual if I get grieved. by No, you're spiritual. It's just the world. That's why we look for a better city, amen, an enduring city, not made with hands, the new Jerusalem. All right. Just make sure the world's conversation does not enter into yours. By the way, the world is in churches. I've been in churches, and I give you some illustrations. I won't repeat them, whatever. I've been in some churches. You couldn't tell the difference between a nightclub and the church. The world is in the churches. The filthy conversation. I've heard preachers tell filthy jokes from their pulpit. I've heard people speak such uh, unspeakable things in Christian circles. Uh, let me tell you, do not let the world's conversation become ours. It's in the churches and it's in homes. It's in homes where homes of Christian people don't live any different than the homes of the unsaved. As a matter of fact, a lot of unsaved people live better. It is a shame. We're supposed to be lights on a hill, not disco uh, down the end of the road. Now, misunderstood conversations. Go back to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Now we're going to get to where we live. Misunderstood conversations. Second Peter chapter 3, 14, 15, and 16. Let's see. Uh, Miss Pat, if you would read those. Amen. Now, Peter is bragging on Paul's preaching and teaching about salvation. Peter says, Paul's already wrote about all these things. I'm getting to write about all these things. This is so awesome, Peter's saying. He says, um, uh, just as Paul, verse 15, according to the wisdom given unto him, he's written unto you, and in all his epistles, he talked about getting saved. But he cautions that there are some things that Paul says that are not easy to understand. Do you find that true? Do you pick up the Bible and go, what is he talking about? All right, so Peter's being honest, saying, sometimes Paul goes, <laughs> over my head. And they are easy to be misunderstood. 
So people rest, which means to rest means to twist, make it fit. How many of you, when you were a kid, had a toy box and you had stars and circles and square cubes? Anybody like that? And you take and 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 you know. You were really good if you got them all in the little holes there. They actually have them for kids. They go into the sides or whatever. But there's always that time where there's a kid who sits down and he takes that square peg and he finds that circular hole and he goes, bam, 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 bam. And that's how people do the Bible. They find a square verse and they try to fit it in a circle theology and they bash it and they rest it to their own destruction. Here's the point. You see... Paul was being misunderstood. People were coming to some of the things that Paul says, and it's still happening today. You'll pick up a YouTube, you'll watch a YouTube, and people will quote a verse out of context, out of nowhere, and they'll say some of the most awful things, stupid things, and they, they twist the scripture to their own destruction. Why? Because it's hard to understand. Nobody, nobody should ever say, oh yeah, the Bible is easy if, no, no, no. I don't care how old you are in the Lord, you will always get a time you're just stumped. You know why? Because somebody smarter than all of us wrote it. If we could figure it all out, God ain't much smarter than us. So, Paul, here's the, here's the truth. Paul was not to blame for being unmisunderstood. Paul, Peter could have said, now Paul should have written better. Paul should have been simpler in his words. Paul should have been more careful so he was. Isn't that what psychology, isn't that what everybody says? You know, listen, between the two of you, the problem is so-and-so didn't try their hardest to make it easy for you to understand. That's how everybody talks today. That's not how God talks. It was not Paul's fault. As a matter of fact, what was Paul writing? Scripture. You can't improve on Scripture. Hmm. This gets to a big thing. Jesus spoke words that were hard to understand. Except to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Did he say that? You think you could start a religion on just those verses that would go off the rails and send people to hell? You better believe you could. There's some crazy things that you can take out that Jesus said. You go, what do you mean by that? So, um, I got a scripture here. Let's see. Let's go see if I got it, 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 got it. Luke. Luke chapter 8. Go ahead and go there. Jesus even spoke. He said Jesus would speak words and people would walk away from him. Did he ever go running after him? No, he didn't. He spake and people would close their ears. The truth is, People, we're to blame for not wanting to understand. You know why people go to hell? Not because they don't know the gospel. Not necessarily because they don't understand the gospel. But because they just don't want to understand the gospel. Does that make sense? I didn't like it the first time I heard it. I didn't like it the second time I heard it. I didn't like it the third time I heard it. You understand? So it's not about liking it. People were to blame and people actually end up in hell because they don't want to understand the gospel. So they run to conclusions that destroy their lives. They, they create heresies. People come up with false gospels. And you know why? You know like what, what the problem is in our, in our conversation, in our lifestyle? And you have two people, you, you have, you have somebody who stops listening. They make up their minds. They close their minds. They decide they can't be wrong. And so you have, 
You have some of the worst division. I was talking to Paul uh, there. You, you People on, on, on Facebook, people on debates, I don't care. We have the most divided culture ever today. You can't say something without people finding fault with you. Paul wrote something and misspelled a word, and the guy just came back and says, you spelled that wrong, idiot. <laughs> it's like, wow, we are so sharp. Why? Why did we become that way? Because we stopped listening. We just don't, we don't even care to want to understand. Uh, so be very careful with misunderstanding. Peter is warning about misunderstanding, a misunderstanding type of conversation. Misunderstandings have ruined more churches than adultery has. Did you hear what I say? Misunderstandings have ruined more families than pornography has. Misunderstandings are the devil's trap to get somebody to make up their mind and to quit listening. Be very careful about misunderstandings. The only way to not fall in the trap uh, is to always believe the other person is not intentionally saying or doing something wrong. Give them the benefit of the doubt. When you are confused, look at Luke chapter 8, verses 9, 10, 11. Who just read? Oh, are you ready to read there, uh, um, Leo? You're going to read Luke chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11, please. Where, where are you? We need verse 9, chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. Terrible. Now, just stop there. I just wanted to start you on the fact. Jesus took the time to explain, but who did he explain to? But not to, I mean, there were all, there were thousands of disciples there listening to him, but only the ones who came up to him and said, what do you mean by that? I'm confused. Amen. Excellent. Misunderstood conversations. Sometimes people have a way of doing things, saying things, and people prejudge, people don't understand. Do you know that destroys relationships? That destroys churches? That destroys... Uh, there are clear sins, but there are some things that you don't understand. As a matter of fact, the most important thing to do is to get to know one another and love one another in spite of flaws and problems. Misunderstood communications. Just kind of cute there. Um, right in the midst of that thing, talking about what type of holy conversations should you be living, he then mentions there in Second Peter, he then mentions... Make sure you don't misunderstand people. Make sure you're not constantly judging people and, and, and destroying them because it destroys everybody. Now, it moves on to right conversations. And a right conversation is where we want to live. Look at, um, uh, look at Philippians chapter 1. Because right conversations are those that match the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Gina, please. Philippians 1, 27. 
like that. Look at the word there. It's a modern word. That I might hear of your affairs. Affairs? So-and-so is having an affair. They change their life. They're going a different way. Listen, how do people hear of your way of life? Paul says, I want to hear that your conversation matches the gospel. Where we stand fast in one spirit. Where we have one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Not my faith, Dan's faith, Kathy's faith, Myra's faith, but one faith. And he goes on, verse 28, I like this, he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Somebody asked me this morning, says, what if somebody came in, held up a gun, was going to shoot everybody that was a Christian, would you stand there or would you run? I said, I'd stand. I'd duck, but I'd stand. <laughs> said, what if he said, anybody who doesn't believe any of this stuff can leave and you won't be harmed, wouldn't you leave? And I said, no, I'm not afraid of dying. I don't want to die. But the point is this, not in nothing terrified by your adversaries. I like that. You see, my lifestyle ought to match the gospel. When they, when they found Jesus Christ, what'd they do? They surrounded him, they tied him up, and he surrendered to him. He wasn't afraid. Everything was in God's hands. How is your life? Does it match the gospel, even though it costs you? Even though it's hard? My life ought to match the gospel. Ready not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. A right conversation, a right lifestyle, secondly, is an upright one. Psalm 37, verse 14, Emrio. Psalm 37, middle of your Bible. Verse That be. Excellent. So notice, he doesn't just talk about good conversation or right, but he says upright. Now upright, I'm standing upright right now. I'm not cowering. I'm not hiding. So it's a, this is a, a, a life that is not embarrassed. By the way, let me just help you this way, understand this. The devil has a target on you when you strive to live clean and good and holy. The devil paints a big target on your back and says, fair game. Let's get him, boys. Now, the upright live free of fear of the devil's attack. Expects it. Doesn't run, doesn't hide. Lives free of shame or embarrassment. Not because they're hardened to it. There are a lot of people, have you noticed today, people don't have any shame. Have you noticed that? People will say and will do things without any, ooh, I, I should have said that. Ooh, I, I shouldn't have done this. People have no shame, no embarrassment. We're not talking about that type. We're talking about where you have nothing to be embarrassed of. There is, you have done nothing wrong. This is somebody who is, uh, uh, who doesn't do things they know they would be ashamed of. Like watching porn. Like secretly drinking. Or living a lie. Or secretly thieving. Wouldn't you be ashamed? Wouldn't it be awful if I showed up, Nita and I showed up, at Celine's house, and the door was open, and we said, Celine, and there we found a whole big bag of stuff from Dunn's that she stole. 
She said, what are you doing here? I didn't know you were coming. You found me. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Celine. Celine. <laughs> if someone followed, followed you around all week, Kathy, <laughs> what things would you be ashamed of or embarrassed about? Your tongue? Your TV watching? How about your thought life? How about your internet? You know, the upright in conversation, somebody whose lifestyle is upright, you're a target. And, and just realize, I just, I want to have that upright lifestyle and not be afraid. The devil's going to fire away. And as somebody said earlier, the Lord is my high tower. He's my shield. He's my rock. He's my hiding place. I don't hide except in him. Are you upright? That's a right conversation where you're not ashamed of who you are and what you're doing. Third, open and transparent. 2 Corinthians 1.12, Bill. 2 Corinthians 1.12. in the New Testament, brother. One twelve, please. Okay, a lot of words. He says, this is what we get excited about, that the testimony of our conscience is full of simplicity and godly sincerity, honesty, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. We have had our conversation where? We've had our life right out in the world. We don't live in a commune on a hill somewhere behind 15-foot high walls. We live in the world. We, We go to the shop. We run into people. We see the filth. We live here, but we live open. We live in godly sincerity. People can look at us. And we can, they, they, they already know you, but honestly, they can read us like a book. Let's go to one more. First Peter 2.12. Let's see, I'll go to uh, Yvonne. First Peter 2.12. Okay, your key word is having your conversation honest. Be real. Don't ever, ever have anything that you, you know, the moment that you feel like you have to lie about something is the moment you've already stepped into sin. The moment that you, I, I, I can't, I can't say this, I can't talk about that, that's already the devil's trap to, to have a grip on your heart and he will add more and more and more. The best way to live is honest. Best way to live is open and transparent. You know what that'll make for? Accountability. Accountability where your life and your, con- your conversation is right. It may not be exciting. I mean, there was one time Nita and I were with a couple. We were sitting there talking. And, and we were after church. We, were, we went to an ice cream shop 
down the road from the from the church, and we're sitting there, and this other young couple, we were young, they were young, those were a long time ago, and, and we're having an ice cream, and about 10 minutes into the conversation, they got up, and they started to leave, and I said, what's wrong? He says, it's boring over here. I felt, oh. Now, you know what? Since then, I don't mind being boring. I don't mind it. That's what I am. But if I'm honest, that's okay. If you're trying to pump up and be what you're not, then don't do it. Don't do it at all. Open and transparent. Without covetousness is the next one. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, Mona. That was at a Friendly's. Did you ever go to Friendly's, Kathy? You remember Friendly's? They had, this ice cream shop had a, 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 a bowl on a stand, on a, you know, it's like a propped up bowl, a glass bowl. And they put five scoops of ice cream in it and about six or seven big chunks of chocolate and syrup and sprinkles and everything. It was a Sunday night heaven, man. <laughs> anyway. Now that I just ruined your attitude. All right, Mona. <laughs> Hebrews 13.5. Amen. So what's our, what's our focus? What's the key word we're looking up every time? Our conversation. So my lifestyle, not just, not just Little bits, not just, but my way of living should be without what? Without covetousness. It should be with contentment. Ouch. How many times we look and go, I wish I had. Oh, I don't have. Mm. Right conversation is content, is glad for what you have, even what you are. Another one, James 3, verse 13. Am I going to get Nisha to read or not? James, I snuck up on you. James chapter 3, verse 13. Next book over. Show. All right. So if anybody claims to be wise and full of knowledge, let him show out of a good conversation, a good life, show his works with meekness and wisdom. Hey, right conversation is hard work. I don't know if you realize it, but if you're going to live godly, you're going against the flow. It's going to take twice, if not three times the effort to do something good than it is to do something bad. Amen? So show a good conversation by hard work with meekness and humility, but that's a right kind of conversation. Number six, holiness. First Peter 1.15, let's see if I can get uh, um, Hannes. First Peter 1.15. First <clears throat> Peter 1.15.
So since he's holy, I should be what? Not just on Sunday mornings, but in all manner. Name me, Hannes, what are the different aspects of my life that should be holy? What are the, am I, I'm not sure how to ask it better. What are the different, how would I ask that in a better way? I'm trying to ask, what are the different aspects of a person's life that should be holy? I know, I know okay, well, you're answering it. I want to know how to ask it. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm asking? All right, I'll give you one of them. In our words, our words should be right words, correct? What other ways should be holy in my lifestyle and in my life? What do you think? My attitude? Is that what you said? I like that. Very good. Do you know where I'm going with this? Do you know where I'm... Okay. Anybody else? What type of... What part of me should be holy? Now, we know all, so list something. My what? Needs. Deeds. Okay, my actions. Excellent. All right. What else? My thinking. My treatment of others. My my thinking. Good. All areas. See, we think holiness is something that monks uh, strive for over at the monastery. No, no, no. Christians should be striving for personal holiness in all areas of their life. So that their lifestyle, not that you walk around with a brown habit and a robe and uh, like they did on Monty Python, hit their heads with their Bibles. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being holy in all manner of our conversation. Number seven kind and graceful as a lifestyle. Colossians, uh, uh, Amanda, Colossians chapter 4 in verse 6. <clears throat> Colossians 4 in verse 6. Now, this is part of our conversation as well. We can't just talk about how I live without how I talk as well. Because sometimes people don't know me, but they can hear me. And not that all of my conversation are my words, but my words should be how? According to that, let your speech be always with what? Grace. That's a hard job. Sometimes you want to point out somebody else's wrong. Sometimes you want to whittle somebody down to size. Let your speech be always with grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Anybody back there want to do it? You want to try it? Yes, ma'am. Ephesians 4, 29. <clears throat> back to the left. Okay, or to the hearers. Good, all right. So no cross words, I like that. But no corrupt communication should ever proceed out of your mouth. All right. You know, uh, these are right ways to live and speak and act and react. But you need to have a focus so that you, because I, I, I wear out at that. Does anybody else find themselves running out of steam when it comes to trying to do that? All right. So the Lord gave us some focuses, gave us four quick focuses Number one, focus on heaven. Philippians 3.20. Philippians 
You gonna do it? You ready? Uh, okay, never. Good for our conversation is where? In heaven. Excellent. Uh, so the things that we focus on, the thing, my lifestyle, I actually, I focus on heaven. And, and when I start to think about setting my affections on things above, when I start thinking about how they live there, kind of helps me want to live the same way here. Uh, another one, Hebrews chapter 13, next verse. Hebrews 13 and verse 7 and 8. Go ahead, son. You can do it for me, please. Yes, sir. Forever. Good. So remember them that have a rule over you, spoken unto you the word of God. Who's that? Who, who has rule over you, speaks unto you the word of God? Sometimes it's dad. Sometimes it's a pastor. People who have a spiritual influence on you, considering the end of their conversation, what's the end focus of their lifestyle? Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. People come and go, but we focus on Jesus Christ. Number three, be an example. First Timothy 4.12. Patrick's next. First Timothy 4.12. Is that right? It's not 1 Timothy 4.12. Maybe 2 Timothy. Let me look. Nope. Sorry? Yes, it does. Thank you. Go ahead. That's the word. All of those things in your conversation, let it be an example. I like that. Focus, you know, when I start to live and I realize people are watching me, that humbles me and it stops me dead in my tracks often. Or how am I acting? Number four, especially in the home. First Peter 3, verse 1 and 2. By the what? Okay, go ahead. Two. All right. So it even works in the home. It even works. Um, you focus, you say, all right, well, this is a bigger issue than just me. Now, what that leads us is, all I can say is, wow. As I did this study, I just sat back and I go, what manner of persons ought you to be? I thought, I, I, can't, I can't do this message Service, there's so much material here. But isn't it necessary? Isn't it necessary that we think about how we live, how we act, how we react, how we talk, 
Look at that. There's a lot more that we should be doing in our conversation, in our way of living. See, some people put a little bit of time, they say, well, I go to church. Well, that's not your life. What's your life like? Do you read the Bible every day? Or is it just on occasion? Do you do you have a, a conscious effort to live like Jesus Christ? That's a lifestyle. Now, the key challenge is, and I won't go back to it, but in 2 Peter 3.14, it says, be diligent. Be diligent that these things would be in you. You've got to very work very hard at putting distance between you and your past conversations. Amen? Your past lifestyles. A lot of people go through different cycles. Well, put them in the past. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Allow for misunderstandings. Strive to have the right kind of conversations. I think that'll keep us busy for a month of Sundays. Amen? Father, I, I love you. I thank you for the challenge tonight to look at our life. And I know that we didn't really let it hit us hard between the eyes. We don't use the word conversation like you do. But you you have a way of, of reaching into our lives and saying, your lifestyle stinks. Lord, we may have our tongue under control, but our eyes aren't. We may have our eyes in control, but our feet aren't. We may have a lot of different areas, but our heart's not right. So many different things. I'd like to have a holy conversation. I'd like my walk to be right. Please help me. Help all of us to have that desire and to seek it and to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.